Welcome to Rec Talks, a podcast dedicated to the latest trends from the world of rec tech, fintech, and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning rec tech provider, Know Your Customer. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Connie Leung as my guest. Based in Hong Kong, Connie is a global leader in the financial services industry, currently serving as a regional business lead of Worldwide Financial Services for Asia at Microsoft. With more than 16 years of diverse industry experience, Connie has held strategic roles across banking and finance, as well as vertical business segments such as payments, treasury and trade, technology and infrastructure, and sales and management. Recognized as one of the 25 women leaders of Hong Kong fintech, Connie has spearheaded global initiatives in artificial intelligence, machine learning, and blockchain for corporate banking, as well as industry-wide digital transformation programs. Connie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a bit about your own journey at the intersection of tech and financial services to date? In particular, if you look back at the general developments over the past few years, what are some of the most important milestones for the tech and finance industry, both across Asia and globally? Yeah, thank you. I think a lot has happened. You know, I mean, Microsoft now for 10 years, and I think for the last decade, we've seen a lot of changes and it's evolving in our industry. If I remember my first months of work in Microsoft, talking to the customer is really all about digital transformation. I think that's where the journey started. And now I still think it is still evolving. And I think we are still going through the digital transformation, but I can share some of the milestones in between. But I think from the digital transformation, it's really more driven by the customer. I think the customers are now driven more, demanding more digital, demanding more personalization, You know, using data and intelligence. So I think that is really one of the driver the other thing that I see is really uh, we have a huge legacy in, you know, in our financial services. Part of it is because we have a lot of old systems, so we cannot take in some of the latest development like API. And I think that's where the challenge the industry is going through and some of the CIO's challenges is how can I maintain or how can I really have a fast pace of modernizing my core and also my modernizing my legacy. So I think that's another one. And I would say you know there's always increasing fraud and cybersecurity and recent compliance and all these challenges which is facing our market. And then of course, the, another one would be the disruptors, right? So there's a huge disruption from the FinTech, RecTechs, and even some of the digital banks as well, right? Disintimidating some of the banks. So I think these are by and large some of the challenges we're seeing. So how do we pivot to a digital world? I think COVID is really driving that change. I would say that one of the milestones is regulations have changed. I mean, this is the good news for us because when it comes to cloud, it's a new technology. When it comes to data and AI, they're new technology. And for the industry to adopt new technology, we have to be concerned about is it approved, is it regulatory compliant? So the regulators actually coming up with new guidelines and keep evolving with version one, version two, or, or, or newer version of guidelines is actually helping to, be, to bring clarity to the market. And I would say the number one outcome of that is the cloud adoption. So as I say, we started the digital transformation 10 years ago. Now we see a lot of cloud being adopted, the platform, and also partners, you know, we have more startups or traditional vendors, which are supplying their banking software or solutions to the market. They're all embracing cloud. So we see different types of infrastructure, platform adoption and SaaS or pass adoption from the banks industry for, you know, driving those innovation. Mm -hmm. And that's number one. I think the number two is we also see a lot of our customer going into a data-driven organization. So the likes of the you know, Westpac trying to be more customer focused, using data and intelligence to predict what's the customer 
likelihood of buying a new products and also the behavior and what's an expense offer that going to be. So I think those are some of the major milestones. I say digital banks now is unheard of. Now you have digital banks born in the clouds. I think that's that's a good one. And more and more of the partners coming to the market, as I say, right tech, fintechs, continues to see more innovations uh, in, in our industry. Well, you, you've already touched a very important point there with the move to the cloud. From my point of view, there is this saying on Wall Street that being too early is the same as being wrong sometimes. Eight years ago in 2015, my CTO and I sat down together and we really did talk this through and thought this through, made one important early decision. We decided to develop our solution cloud first, and we selected Microsoft Azure at the same time. Going cloud first felt risky in that regard at the time. Is this way too early and thereby wrong and will we'll fail? My secret worry throughout all these years was always that we would lose an important customer because they might insist on an on-premises solution. We were prepared actually to go as far as, in theory, to port our system to native Windows and Enterprise Server and SQL Server, but it would have been a huge effort. But here we are, eight years and 70 plus clients later, and while we did come close a couple of times, it never happened. We never had to move uh, off cloud on premises. Mm -hmm. All our customers still today run on Azure Cloud. And in 2023, in my view, the move to cloud is in full swing. And it's actually that interesting that you mention it again. In the financial industry, it might be much, much slower than, than outside. On the other hand, we're fortunate as our area of client onboarding for financial institution is actually an ideal starter area to test the move to the cloud for banks and other financial institutions that are still a bit hesitant since it's important enough, but not really the core banking solution. But I have one follow on question to, to our first honey. Would you mind, what was your experience before Microsoft? How did you get to technology and finance as a, as a combination? In your own journey? I'm a computer science graduate. So, I mean, I wasn't really into cloud before I come into Microsoft, but I think I have been involved in the banking software. So I was actually in my own journey, I joined a startup. At that time, it wasn't called a startup, but now you think back that many years, it's actually a startup. I was the number three employee and I was building a banking solutions on PC, which is running the Windows and SQL and C languages and basically disrupting the traditional AS400 or the mainframe that we like. And then we, as you say, we were quite innovative. And I know for a few years, we were able to onboard like 80 customers in, in the market and gain a fair bit of market share. I think our industry needs to move on to change. So I think from, from that experience, I've always been the technology, but for financial services. So before I joined Microsoft, I was at Swift. I was covering payments, trade and corporate. So Microsoft was my customer as well as all the banks. When I was headhunted by Microsoft to come to be leading the financial services for Asia, I said, hmm, why is Microsoft interested in me? And I think that was the right timing because I believe technology is going to change the world. And I think financial services will be one of the dinosaurs. We hasn't been able to move to the cloud. So I share similar experience that what you experienced from my first meeting with a bank. So much I got to talk about digital transformation, so much I like to talk about cloud. They would say, hey, you know, I know what a cloud is, but it's, I'm not ready. I can't even get you a, a compliance or security officer meeting because they won't be interested because at that time, there's no clarity from the regulators that you can do cloud. 
So I think mm-hmm. the industry has moved on. And I think the, the, the ultimate one is the risk. And as you say, am I being risky? I think what I've seen in our financial services market is doing nothing seems to be an okay for a risk perspective. But now doing nothing is not okay, right? You really cannot survive without change. So I think that mindset change is really the major things that is happening to our industry. And COVID actually accelerated it. I love that we get similar backgrounds, actually. And I, too, built Windows applications with the C programming language and built drop-down menus and such. <laughs> anyway, talking about the cloud, one thing always pops in my head, and that's one of the biggest concerns also in the banking world using cloud, and that's security. So at Know Your Customer, we firmly believe that cloud-based solutions, especially in the case of Microsoft Azure, are more rather than less secure than on-prem legacy systems. And saying that, that is a statement I think you could still get in an argument with the IT team in, in the large banks about precisely that. Would you agree with it? And can you explain why is that the case? Yeah, that was a good question. I think Security is a top of mind, as I mentioned earlier. It's top of mind for everyone. It's top of mind for our customers. It's top of mind for the partners like yourself. And it's also top of mind for our regulators. So we've been answering and we've been addressing security all along, at least my 10 years at Microsoft. And it's going to continue to be top of mind. I think the key thing is we have to understand where's the security leakage. Right? So I think a lot of particular, the, the attack is really on the weakest link. And a lot of time is actually on the on-prem infrastructure. In the last 10 years, we've been spending a lot of time and discussing, you know, our infrastructure, are we building our cloud services to over 120 regulators? And we have a lot of discussions on how we encrypt the data, where the data is stored, transparency, who has access to the data. And I think all of that leading into building a trusted cloud. So I think from a Microsoft perspective, cloud is our core service. And we are not on a consumer, service, on an enterprise service. So being an enterprise, being in financial services, being able to address the security and compliance questions is the number one. So for us, it's really our investments. On obviously, we have passport certificates, we have all the controls. As I say, we have all the total privacy and transparency. We you know address to all the laws, and I think the other thing is our investment. So like give you an example, ClearBank is a bank in UK, which is one of the digital bank which is totally born in the cloud. One of the comment is why they chose Microsoft Azure to run the platform is because our one billion dollar investment on cybersecurity, and the bank would not be able to invest at that scale. And so they outsource it basically that Microsoft and they choose the platform and then they present to the regulators that give them a peace of mind because that they know that it's going to be secure and it will be compliant. And then they can focus on developing the banking services on our platform, which is their core business and outsourcing the security to the Microsoft, which is our core business. And I think today I would say fast forward all the regulations discussions and particularly what happened in the, in the security world. I think a lot of the regulators now do agree that the, the cloud services is actually more secure than on-prem. I think that's the journey that we have been on. I think we are quite fortunate, I would say, that we have this dialogue with the regulators and we build this trust and we build the capability. I think those are important factors when people choose the cloud services today. I can echo that sentiment. I actually believe that the whole on-prem versus cloud discussion and the security concerns come from an earlier world, a world where you ran all the computing services and all the data storage in somewhere in isolation. And there was this single point, like a terminal where bank teller would access the system. But in a hyper-connected world of the internet, 
and that's like a few decades now, that's irrelevant because it's no longer one point. This system has to be connected, has to be communicating with so many other systems out there that physical perimeter is useless. You are connected. So you need to concentrate on, on a whole different way of putting security in. And Microsoft, obviously, and the cloud providers know all about that because that's the way they designed it. For us, it's a huge relief not to have to deal with a whole list of issues. Physical data center is not something I would want to worry as a CEO of Know Your Customer about. I have other things I need to think about and, and need to move forward. And uh, that's really good not to have to think about it. To switch gears a bit and think about the larger use of all this technology, from your point of view, what would be some of the most interesting applications of open AI's generative artificial intelligence, and especially the large language models in financial services? Yeah, good question. Uh, you can't imagine how busy we were <laughs> we are talking about generative AI every I day. I can. <laughs> so many keynotes to do, so many executives and obviously regulations discussion as well. So the, the good news is in the sense that we have been really embracing generative AI and into our Azure OpenAI services and coming up with a lot of our co-pilots. So I would say the first use case or recommendation for our customer will be to adopt our co-pilots because those are really bringing a lot of productivity and efficiency to our day-to-day -day work. So the co-pilot likes the Microsoft 365 on Word and Excel, on you know, PowerPoints, or how to become an excellent PowerPoint and even create speaker notes for you, Excel, Power BI. And then we also have the Dynamics one where we're having an interactive conversation like with you. Imagine I'm a relationship manager and you're my customer. Generative AI actually prompt me to what I should be talking to you about, what products bring me the brochure directly, interactively when we're having the conversation. So it's really the virtual assist in you know, bringing that conversational discussion. So those are the, I would say, the initial ones that we see. And then, of course, uh, for developers, we have the GitHub Copilot, which is really helping developers. Initially, we are a bit nervous when we launch, whether it's going to be liked by some of the developers likes to develop their own and not really using a autopilot. But I think there are a lot of the, I would say, the low-hanging fruit or some of the mending work that they don't want to do actually gone into the Copilot, and then they can do more intuitive and more intelligent work. So I think it actually very well received by the market. So I would say the first one will be adopting all of that that we are injecting into our first party solution and really adopt it from the financial services. And then for the other one will be more, I would say, anything to do with large language, like a lot of, you know, in our industry, we're, we're not lack of paper, particularly in your business. When you think about KYC, right? so much documents that we have to go through. So I think the summarization, getting you on board quickly, like I am having a conversation with you. Can you really look at what I've been asking you, digitizing the content, understanding the trends, what are some of the calls being made for, understanding my sentiment, are you treating me nicely, am I being a happy customer after the call, is the agent really answering the questions, managing the customer in the proper way, are you representing the company properly, are you actually making the right recommendation and what's the action. So all of that can be really done by, by generative AI. So I think those are the, I would say, initial use case whether it is ranging from marketing to product development to servicing, and then even some of the internal scaling, you know, Q&A and all of that relating to tons of documents, internal or external on research and on summarization. We do recommend complex algorithm though, because this is really not about, you know, calculation methodologies. This is really about language models and really about the content generation. So this is some of the, I would say, use case that we think is very impactful and very deployable. It is an amazing development, really, for all of us. I encountered the LLM's OpenAI in late November last year, and it really changed so much since then. And I've recently heard an really interesting number 
of 95% of software developers having adopted the use of AIs in their daily work. That shows you where things are going. It's incredibly fast. As to the use cases in financial world, I have actually, we did quite a deep dive in our company already in our little world of KYC anti-money laundering. And I see just two further examples to what you said, how we can apply the LLMs specifically in this world. One would be, I see natural language interfaces pop up everywhere. So you will be able to query databases or data storages like, for example, all the anti-money laundering cases that are in a, in a case officer's list of, of jobs there. And we'll be able to do queries that were difficult for non-tech staff to do before. You would have had to call in a coder to do something like, for example, this, please select all clients with a director or shareholder connected to at least two countries we define as high risk. That's something, if you click around in an interface and, and try to come up with a definition, it would be very difficult. It's easy enough to do in SQL Server, but you would need to know how to code that. Now you can do it as a regular user. So this moves natural language interfaces really into everything. And Copilot in Word and Excel and so on does exactly that. The other application I see is generally understanding unstructured texts. And that is huge in anti-money laundering because the information that the compliance staff needs to work with is not always nicely structured as in this is a corporate structure and it has these directors, nice lists and these nationalities and nice lists here and these shareholders and so on. It is in documents that are not that structured. They are free text. And traditionally, that was extremely difficult to access with normal algorithms. These are now accessible to automation. Another thing would be the other way around, regulations. Regulations come in human-readable form. And at conferences and in panels, I remember many times we've discussed the possibility of regulators in the future sometime. They might issue regulations in machine-readable form so that we can immediately put them into algorithms. Well, that's today. Guess what? Regulations are machine-readable today by LLMs. Just feed them in. And indeed, we, we experimented with that. You can feed them in. You can then query. And I see applications such as deriving due diligence requirements directly from the latest regulation. So when the regulator changes them, you just update the feed the new one in and immediately your system reacts like that. Absolutely amazing prospects there. And I'm looking forward to, to working more with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we have done a lot of discussions. As you say, we're really, you know, ideating with our customers. We come up with like sometimes 60, 80 use cases and we're now prioritizing which one is easy to deploy, readiness internally, regulator performing compliance. And I think uh, document extractions, like, you know, extracting that for KYC, extracting the processing alone, that those are all very typical use cases that we found. Now, regulators play their own role in this. Do you think regulators play the right role in fostering tech innovation and adoption within the financial industry, or is it a problematic relationship right now, especially around AI? I think regulators obviously play a critical role in the financial service industry because that is really what is governing, you know, our, how the adoption and how is this 
looking at risk because it's financial services a risk business, right? So the risk assessment is, you know, all the time is, is top of mind. I would say for the last, as I say, 10 years at Microsoft, talking to the regulators, it's been a journey. It also varies between the regulators in terms of the maturity and the readiness and how to look at their role. Some of the regulators really have a very strong tech risk business unit that they can really have a lot of in-depth discussion with us on, you know, technology risk. But in terms of role, first of all, is the fact that they have enhanced and modernized the guidelines and also taking a lot of the inputs from us as a trusted advisor, I think that is something that we are seeing a very positive for the market. And we've seen the success. The second part I would say is really some of them actually have the fintech office or innovation area where they're promoting sandbox, they're promoting rec techs. I think those are also very, I would say, more innovative and thought leader regulators, where they can really drive, like rec tests now have access to regulators, they have the hotline, they answer questions, they give you their sandbox. So allowing you to really test and experiment in a very fast way and also in some respect, learn fast and fail fast. The other one that I would see is the open API, right? When you think about collaboration between industry, right? we've seen collaboration between healthcare and insurance, between retail and retail banking and all that. And then you really need to have a good governance, the data governance, the operating governance. And the fact that regulators pushing API means we're going into that direction. And banks are more open up to collaboration, collaboration with less like a technology partner, collaboration with some of the rec techs, as you know, you know, some of the fintech partners. And all. The way that we have an open dialogue with the regulators today, we have a lot of discussion on generative AI. We believe the current regulation guidelines on responsible AI, on the use of AI, is sufficient to govern the, the technology that we're coming up with. And I think this is really going in a, in a good direction and hopefully we'll see more adoption, whether it's cloud or AI in, in the market. And we continue to have the regulators evolve with us in terms of the you know, technology that is coming up to the market. Over the past few years and definitely since the pandemic, we have witnessed an acceleration in RecTech awareness. So RecTech used to be our little area where nobody really knew it. We were very much in the background, but now there is more awareness and adoption across financial institutions. What do you think are some of the most impactful rec tech applications out there? I would say the first one is obviously, you know, where you guys are in KYC, you know, a lot of the KYC work in terms of the inefficiency, which is currently happening today, because you're not getting the data, you're not getting the most up-to-date data. And also KYC is not a one-time thing, right? It's a continuous evolving thing. So how to continuously evolve with things change Within the organization, there's acquisition and mergers and all of those. And then the other one will be more on risk and compliance. So it will be like regulatory reporting. There will be like fraud detection. Some of them are scams, like using biometrics. And then also, we also have some on the, I would say, the contact sensor analytics as well, like listening to the recording, checking out the compliance. So a lot of things on compliance reporting, sending what's the discussions and whether it is, you know, fully in, comply with you know, the products that we're offering to the market. So I think a lot of those are related to recent compliance that are in the rec tech space. Well, wow, there's so much to do in that space and we're glad we're in the area. Well, Connie, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for this chat. Thanks for having me. It was really good discussions and good luck. And hopefully we can collaborate more and see more of the cloud adoption and the rec tech adoption in the market. We certainly will. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RecTech provider, Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, 
suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash rectalks.